Uh, also, if you, um, I didn't get pens out, I realized. If you were using the sheet and want to use a pen, I don't know if anyone wants to run to the office and get some. But last week, we um, set the context of this letter. So we're going through the letter of John to the church, 1 John. And um, this letter was written to a group of small churches in Ephesus because there was lots of people coming around with new ideas, some mixture of Greek philosophy and uh, Bible stuff, mixing it together, confusing the churches and leading the churches off into all sorts of error. And part of that last week we talked about was um, how some would say that Jesus wasn't God, and they were saying that um, uh, Jesus didn't create the world, not being God, and all these kind of things. And the other side of things which we're going to look at today, the other side that was happening was they were teaching the, the church that it didn't matter how you lived your life. So the, uh, the title this morning is, uh, um, the title of the series is Light and Love and Life, just keep the guy happy that he's smiling. There are many titles to this series, and, uh, but um, I didn't want to redesign the logo. Um, as much as I've got life in that title, though, Guy, have you seen it? Look, signs and the sin and the signs of the Christian life. Um, so I want to talk about sin today. So I want you to be prepared to go away feeling guilty, not feeling good enough, feeling as though you failed God and that you're going to hell. That's not true. Just checking if you're listening. Um, so we're going to talk about sin and we're going to talk about the Christian life because uh, there was this thought that went around, it doesn't matter how you live your life. Because your flesh is evil, the world is evil, just focus on knowing this secret wisdom. And that's what John was writing against. So, um, here's uh, my definition of sin. Sin is the natural activity to disobey God. It is what we do without thinking. We are all infected by sin like a disease. Because we have sin, we commit sins. It is the, if you understand this, this word, the default place human beings are. we come out the womb already to sin because we have in us this thing called sin. And, um, and um, the first thing that we're going to do at the moment, and the, you do need to have an iPad so you can join with someone else and confer, but I'm going to do a little bit of a poll. Uh, and all I want you to do is tell me whether you believe this is true or false, okay? So, oh. Hold on. Okay, so, technology, I told you, we're getting used to this thing. Okay, here we go. So, agree or disagree, can you see that? We do sin. So, on your um, device, you should be able to go true or false. Um, uh, we do sin. We will sin. We should not sin. We must not sin. We need not sin. We do not sin. We cannot sin. So, committing acts or attitudes or thoughts that are against God or in, not in line with God. Think about these. The kind of things that you know that you should be doing right. Let's have a look. Wow, oh, look at this already. We've got, this is, got two people in already. Five, six. Oh, it's going up. See, that last one's an interesting one, isn't it? By the way, although we're talking about sin today, John repeats about sin in chapter 3. So this is sin part 1. Okay? Um, with those who don't have a device, I'm going to do a quick show of hands just to see whether what it kind of we are in a similar kind of agreement. So how are we getting on? All right? So, so far, um, does everyone agree with the top one then? Because that looks like everyone agrees. We do sin. Okay, good. You can put your hands up if you want, if you want to be visible. We will sin. I can see that's just gone down a bit there. That's interesting. We should not sin. I'm surprised that's not a full one. Um, we must not sin. That's interesting. That's low. Some of these are kind of, what do you mean by we must not, John? I know I realize. By the way, we can have questions and answers at the end. You can ask questions going along. And I'm not the authority on all things biblical, so I might get someone else to answer the question. Uh, we need not sin. Uh, we do not sin. Well done, church. That's, that's very good. What about we cannot sin? Did everyone then put that as a, as a minus? No, not everyone. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. He who was born of God cannot sin. 
That's an interesting one, but we're not dealing with that today. <laughs> Whoever gets that when we get to that passage, all the best. So, but pretty much we know, we realize that, that we are all born into sin. The only thing on there that should be forced is we do not sin. I think anyone that, you know, is, is really realistic realizes that we do not sin. And let me remind you, he's writing this letter to Christians. He's not writing this letter to unbelievers. Okay? So this is right to us. So we're born into sin. Our nature, our flesh, our minds are infected, if you like, are, uh, by this sinful nature. And um, what's next? Here's, here's just something I want to read before we get that. What makes us sinners is not because of what we do, but of what we are. We are not sinners because we commit sins. We commit sins because we are sinners. And um, often in the Bible, what we get to a bit later, when it says sin and, and sins, the, it's the same word, but often the context is, is that um, we, we, the sins are the things we do. Sin is a thing that is in our nature as human beings. But sin is not temptation. I don't know if you've ever thought that you've been so guilty because you've been tempted. Temptation is not sin. And this is what James says. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. That internal sin-affected desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. When that desire turns into activity, you then commit the activity of sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Um, now, that's a very big um, uh, subject. It's a very big conversation there. I'm going to leave the fully grown brings forth death to the person who gets... Um, there are some sins that are unto death, and there are some sins that are not unto death. Um, whoever gets that, um, all the best. Um, so, here are some other verses, just to tell us a bit about sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, People, I think it's quite a good example about this falling short. It's, it's almost like archery. We're doing archery this week. Um, you fire, fire the arrow if it falls short of the target. Someone once said, if, if you try and jump the Grand, uh, the Grand Canyon, everyone will fall short. We just cannot reach the gap. We cannot do what is required of us. Um, and we are made to express the glory of God. We are, the, we are made to be his image. We were made in his image. And so, because of sin, we're unable to do that. Here's another one. We know that our old sinful selves, so he's talking to Christians who have given their life to Jesus, they'd, they'd decided, they realized that they were sinful, and then through the cross, crucified with Christ, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. So when we say, we... Um, which one was it? We need not sin is true. We need not sin. We'll, we'll look at that again a bit later. But sin, in some versions, say, is rendered powerless. There is this thing, if you like, inside of us which is um, causing us to do certain things, even things we don't want to do. But when Jesus comes in, when the Holy Spirit comes in, he puts... He, he delivers us from slavery to sin and gives us power over sin. But sin remains an influence in our lives. That's why Christians need to continue to walk in the light, as we were talking about last week. So here's, here's a, another poll. In what ways do we sin? You can choose one or more. Let's be realistic. I'm assuming that everyone can participate in this. Sorry if you don't have a device, but um, you're more than welcome to stand up and confess in front of everyone if you'd like. Um, in what ways? Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So the things you think, you know, the thoughts that come into your mind when your kids are driving you up the wall and you, what you want to do to them. Um, or when you're driving the car when, or when you get a phone call, Tracy. She's not in the room at the moment. Um, things you do. Words, the things you say. You've ever said something, thought I shouldn't have said that. Beliefs. The things that you believe about God and about yourself in the light of who God is. So that's, that's interesting that, um, uh, oh, yeah, beliefs. See, our beliefs often come at the bottom because they are often the most um, unseen sins, unknown sins that God over time reveals to us. 
don't know if you found that. Over time, you realize if you're struggling with something, that it's because there's a belief issue. It's not necessarily a, a mind issue, it's a belief issue, although mind, in, in, in scriptural terms, mind and heart are very much sort of intermingled. So it's, there's a good bookend there, isn't there? So it's good that people are being honest. Well done. I appreciate that. Not all sins are seen, are they? Okay, little quiz. It's, like, it's the same. It's a, it's a poll. Um, okay, and, and this, is, this is really about, so what, you know, it's clear that Christians have sin. Um, Johnny's talking to Christians. But what do we do about our sin? Um, just a quick little, little test, okay? I don't know what this looks like. I can't remember what this looks like on your, on your app. And I think there are three questions. The first one is, you ignore it. Is this the one? You get guilty about it. Let's be honest about this, by the way. What do you usually do when sin rears its ugly head in your life? You ignore it. Do you get guilty about it? Or do you deal with it? You ignore it. Oh, God covers my sin. Uh, do you get guilty about it? You have a high expectation on your response. Sin. You have a high expectation you should be living holy, sinless, perfection kind of life. Or do you deal with it? Oh, you don't have the words. Oh. You haven't voted. Okay, well, let's ignore that. Let's put hands up. Number one. <laughs> I won that one. Number one, who ignores it? Sin. Yeah, you commit a sin, you know you've done it, you think, if I just ignore it, I just push it down and I just move on. God loves me anyway. Who cares? You know, God doesn't really mind about sin. Okay, no, maybe we should do this rhetorically. In your heart, put your hand up. Um, you get guilty about it. Yeah? Yeah. And that's an interesting one because repentance, which is the term for what you have to come to a place of being sorry for your action, for your sin, requires a realization you've done wrong. And naturally, we get guilty. Um, but it's what we do with that guilt. So we take that guilt and we say, I thank you, God, that you have died on the cross. There is no punishment left for my sin because you've taken it on you. And that's how we deal with our guilt. But what about, who's, who sort of says, you know, I, you know forgive me, Lord, and I, and I really want to deal with this sin. I want to deal with the root of why this is happening. Uh, because often what happens is, I, you know, life is, you'll love this. It's, I'm going to talk about Kairos moments here. Um, there's, life is not linear. It's not we, 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 are, we are born and then we die. I know that's what it feels like, but actually we go through a bunch of like moments in our life. And you might remember key moments where something really amazing or really tragic has happened in your life. And often in those moments, in the, in the Christian life, those moments can be things that, like this, we realize there's sin in our lives, there's realize an issue in our life needs to be dealt with. And what God does is he brings us to these moments and he says, okay, I'm going to deal with this right now. But if we say, I don't want to deal with it, he let it, he let it go until another point. He says, right, we're going to deal with this now. And until you deal with it, it will keep coming back to your life. God intends to deal with sin. That's a shame. I, I don't know why they did that, but that's technology, isn't it? Um, So let's just go into the Bible, 1 John, verse 8. So the influence around the place, I'll have the verses on the screen, but if you have it in the Bible, that's, that's fine. Um, John says, gives five ifs, if you're interested in looking at these patterns, five ifs. So he's really kind of trying to say, look, if this, if that, good thing to think about. If, is this the first one? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Christians cannot claim they no longer have sin. There is an idea in Christian circles of sinless perfection where God takes away, because the Bible uses terminology, he comes to take away our sin, where that, that sin issue is removed from us that we no longer sin. Now, um, I personally don't believe that from personal experience. Um, and also, I think there are certain scriptures which we haven't really got time to get into, but one of them is this verse. If we say we have no sin, we deceive them. If Even as Christians, if we say sin has been removed from us, I'm now completely isolated from the sin problem, 
then I deceive myself and the truth is not in us. The sin is rendered powerless. He no longer has power over me, but it remains there and is a pain and I feel it sometimes. I feel the temptations. I feel my desires enticing me and I'm having to say no. That's the walk of the Christian. And so when, when Paul says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of this flesh or sinful nature. So as we walk in the light, as John said, as said last week, we will have fellowship with God and his blood cleanses us from all sin. If it's not there, why is the blood cleansing us from all sin? So I remember a story where, you, you know, it's one of those ones where it's like no one can really, really, uh, it's, it's hard one to sort of know whether it was true, where someone, um, this sounds a bit wacky, so take it or leave it. Someone had died and they had had, um, it was a tragic situation. They went to heaven um, was given an opportunity to return back to their body. And they looked at their body and they said, and they saw it for what it was, this flesh, sin-ridden. This was a Christian. And said, I do not want to go back into that body. Now, how they got that story, I don't know. But it's a good illustration that when we're in heaven, in perfection, we have a new body, a resurrected body, because this body is, is broken. And God doesn't come to renew this body. He will give us a new body. But in the meantime, he gives us the grace and the Holy Spirit to live in this body. So even as a little illustration, it's quite good, I think. The truth is the awareness of God in your life. If you have God in your life, you know things aren't all right in your body and in your mind at times. You know but we also know that God's grace is sufficient. I think it's in Romans says, as the, uh, I can't remember the exact words, as the offense of sin increases, so grace increases. Yeah, and we are, we're walking in the light, washed and cleansed. And this is what John is saying. Okay, first, that's number one. The second one is number there, is, uh, is verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you confess, confession is the honesty of heart spoken out. If there's anything, like the Bible says, anyone can come to the Lord. Uh, whoever comes to God, this is in salvation, must confess with their lips that he is, he, what was it again? That he died and rose again. Anyone? Looking at Jim now. Can look. Uh, Romans chapter 12. All who come to Christ must confess that he is, that he um, exists. No, that's another one, isn't it? It's a really good verse. Huh? And the reward of those who seek him. Oh, exists in the, no, I'm thinking of another one. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart and you shall be saved. That was it. Yes, simple. Confess with your mouth. The confession involves, Lord, I'm a sinner. I have sin and I need a saviour and I need a Lord. That's where it comes to obedience, confession, honesty of heart. The greatest impact on our lives is when we recognize and confess we are sinners in need of a savior. Amen? Okay, cleansing, he says. Forgive us our sins. That is to forgive all the sins of the past and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness as we walk in him, as, as he says earlier. Um, the cleanse, see, the, one of the things we forget is that the first reason God hates sin is because it is an abomination in his sight. Because it is completely unreflective of who he is, of his glory, of his light, of his love, of his wonder, of his joy. All these things, sin, it doesn't reflect that. The second thing is sin is so incredibly damaging. So I use the word disease because you can see damage. Now, on, when I was preparing this on Friday at 1 o'clock, I went on the internet. There's a website talking about the coronavirus. Right? 1,384 people had died. That was on Friday. On Saturday, last night, 1,666 Disease spreads, disease infects, and that is a result of sin. It's a good picture of recognizing how sin, you know, we resist sin, we don't like sin, not just because we're some kind of, you know, holy people, but because it is so anti who we are, and it is anti a good, a good life, a life of joy and a life of peace. It, is, it breaks us, it ruins us, and it separates us from all the good things of God. And God hates that from happening. So, you know, cleansing, he washes us. I don't know, you know, this is a rhetorical question, of course. Have you ever been in a situation where 
Sin has been involved, and you literally get in the shower to wash yourself. And often sexual sin, that is what happens. Because you feel it in your body. Sin is riled up. Sins to people and sins that we commit. We, there's this cleansing in Jesus, a washing of sin for every believer. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? So, Christians who sin can ask forgiveness with confidence. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Is there such a thing as sinless perfection? No. Again, that's probably another bigger um, picture. But I've never met a person who has been able to be perfect. And I can't find the biblical um, basis for that. But what I do believe in, it is possible to not sin. I don't want to jump ahead. Yes, Terry. Yeah. Yeah, which is what Alan was talking about, the lady who, you know, he was without sin. Those who were mature knew that they had sin. You know, often it's the, it's the immature that think that they can do anything, you know. Yeah, we have a sinner's saver. If we were sinners without him, we wouldn't need the blood of Jesus. There, there, is, there is a thing to remember, and this thing to go away and think about. A lot of the terminology in the Bible is what they call present continuous, continually happening. There's not so many things like this moment, this moment, believe, yeah, salvation, cleansing, all these kinds. Of, it's relationship driven. So, um, and then here goes, so now we're beginning the chapter two. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Is it possible to not sin? <laughs> not for children. Uh, is it possible to not sin? Yes. It is possible that we can live every day and not sin. Okay? That's what John's saying. I'm writing these things so that to you so that you may not sin. Okay? Verse 2. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is a propitiation for our sins. I'm going to go into this. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Is it probable that we will sin? Yes. Now, um, I've, I've heard people that take a... I'm, I'm an optimist, okay? So I say probable, not possible. But that's just me. But there's some people say, well, look, we're probably going to sin. But, you know, it's... I don't like talking like that. I'd rather say it's, it's probable that actually, do you know what? When you walk in the Spirit, you won't sin. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not sin. It is not easy for a Christian to sin. I prefer that mentality because it puts me in the, the, the way in which I think Jesus has designed life for, you know, through living in him. He didn't design us to be people that are overcome. We are designed to be overcomers. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? Oh, that was, write that down, someone. Marcus, come on. Uh, it's probable. Okay, we're going to get another little kind of um, poll coming up soon, but I want to just explain a couple of words. Advocate, someone who speaks on another's behalf. When you sin, Jesus stands up and argues on our behalf. And he, as we go to this next one, propitiation, I love this word, and I found this picture online. Um, and this is where you can see the wrath and the punishment of God onto Jesus so that it isn't onto me and to you. Jesus was not punished for sin. He was punished for our sin. And some people don't like that word punishment. There's a big debate about, and there's many ways you can look at it, but I find that helpful because I know I deserve punishment for sin and Jesus took mine. So what did he, what did he take? He took my punishment. Yeah? But in that great picture, I don't know if you can see that, the, the fire and the wrath of God. Let me just tell you this. People don't believe that hell exists. Or they believe that God will just um, sniff hell out in, in an instant. In a, and everyone will either be saved or everyone will just cease to exist. Um, and this is what I believe. I've said this before, but I think this is relevant. Because um, when we think about this satisfaction, propitiation, let me read this. It's the process where Jesus took the punishment that was due to be poured out on me and you and diverted that onto himself and therefore satisfied the requirements of God. Satisfied. And um, 
The wrath of God against sin is so strong. He is so holy, so righteous. It will take eternity to pour out that wrath onto mankind. That's what I believe. And that is what hell is. Now that's frightening. And I'm not saying that to frighten people, but that's what the Bible shows me. It is the eternal damnation. But Jesus, purely because I can put my trust in him, without having to work my way to it, I'm the other side of that cross. Amen? He is our advocate. He's arguing for me. Not that he argues with God, but he stands up and says, let me be his representative. Let me speak on John's behalf. Yes, he's an idiot. Yes, let's give him a, you know, a slap. Uh, metaphorically speaking, I guess, if there's such a thing. Um, but I died for him. Okay. And John knew this was incredibly important. So here's, that's the uh, propitiation that I mentioned. Okay, let's do, will this work? Do you get any questions come up? Oh, start quiz. How do you know you're a Christian? I hope this works. So for those who haven't got advice, I've got, I have lots of friends who are Christian. Uh, I only listen to Christian music. I follow the commandments of Jesus. I regularly attend church. I volunteer at food bank. So we're in. Okay, so we've got one person who put, what was the first one again? I have lots of Christian friends. So... What was the first one? Was that it? I can't read it in there. It's gone. It's not on my... Uh... But here it is. I follow the command. Well done. Round of applause, everyone. Um... Did you get there in time? That's all right. Um, I, I should have given it a bit longer time. But I follow the commandments of Jesus. How do you know you're a Christian? I follow the commandments of Jesus. Is that the same as saying, how do you know you're a Christian by your good works? Is that the same? Because it's, it's an activity, following the commandments of Jesus is, is an activity, it's a doing, because what we read in, um, it's the next verse, oh, well, let's see if we've got, oh, no, it's even got, oh, Dirk, well done, Dirk, he gets a prize, he can pray at the end, <laughs> Crab and Dirk, <laughs> it's Crab, which one's Crab? Is that you? <laughs> uh, okay. By this, okay, this is the truth. By this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. If you want to know a Christian, look at their life. By their fruits, you will know them, the, the, the scripture says. Now, that might sound a bit kind of, you know, you're talking about I've got to focus on my life and what I'm doing. No. Focus on who you're knowing, and the byproduct, the outworking is you will see yourself following his commandments. Yeah? It's a really important difference of, of, of mindset. Let's just go to this next verse and then we can carry on these things. Whoever says, I know him, right? Many people coming around the churches, I know Jesus, and yet the, they weren't keeping his commandments. John's saying, Look, you've got to figure out who you're getting to speak in the church. Don't listen to what they've got to say unless you see the life of Jesus outworked practically in their life. Now, again, not looking for perfection, because when someone does sin and they ask God for forgiveness, that is the, the, a sign of a Christian. Yeah? The truth is not in him. Don't listen to him. The next one. So, yeah, well, here you go. The inevitable outwork, outcome of being in relationship with Jesus is that we become like Jesus. So I hope you're picking up these kind of words. It is, it is who we know and who we are that determines what we do. It is not what we do that makes who we are and get to know. It's a fine line. Listen, if you want to know Jesus, get to church as often as you can. But getting to church all the time doesn't mean you know Jesus. Is that you getting the point? I think this is really, really important. Christ in us, we become like Christ. Here's uh, another uh, so, whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know we're in him. We're going to that in a minute. Okay, imagine this. God's 
We, uh, what's that verse? Um, I, or I don't know if it's a verse, you know. Um, yes, Jesus loves me. No, not that one. Um, I, he loves, I love him because he first loved me. That was it. I love him because he first loved me. The love of God comes from the Father into me, and the love for God is stirred from me back to him. So when you see this love God is perfected, um, it's, that's what it means. It returns full circle. So when God is loving us, if that love is not returned to God through our lives, then it is not perfected. That's what he means. Whoever keeps his word, the love of God is coming back to God. If you want to love God, I sat down many years ago with a young person who used to be in this church, and I remember having lunch, and, and, and the words that this person said to me was, I love God, but... I want to go and just do my own thing for a while. Now, that is a good picture of what love isn't. When you love God, you want to do what he wants to do, don't you? We all witness with that because the love of God is in us. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walks. Can he get even any clearer? You know, if, if, if you say you're a Christian, a real, true Christian, then how are you living your life? How are you living your life in your home, in your workplace, in your school life, in, in church life? How are you living your life? And I know that you know, we don't like getting introspective too much, but um, it's biblical. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith test yourselves or do you not realize this is about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test now I wish I had a quiz <laughs> to but because um, it's a free one I can't do free quizzes um, if you want to pay ten dollars a month silly but this is it what do we do how do we examine ourselves do we look at what we're doing how we are living, then change what we do? Or do we look to Jesus, invite him afresh into our hearts in order that he may change our ways? It's, there's a slight difference there. You look at what you're doing or you look at who you're relating with. You're looking at... You're right, John. Your blessed son is here, Rose. You're looking at Jesus or you're looking at yourself. Two very different things. See, where you feel there may be a lack, your response has got to be a, a not about focusing on modifying your behavior. If there's anything that's come up this morning where you don't feel that you're, maybe there's sin in your life, you don't feel that you're living life as a Christian, maybe you felt as though you've let things go a bit, the first, if you first think you've got to change your behavior, you've missed the trick. The first thing you've got to do is you go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, will you examine my heart? You know, uh, Psalm 139, isn't it? Um, search my heart if there's anything in me. I can't remember the rest of the verse that needs to be dealt with. Search me, change me. We're directing our heart and mind to Jesus. We cannot, by modifying our behavior. Now, if you're doing something very destructive, then stop it. I'd love to show that clip. Stop it. But you, your strength and your power is not in your enthusiasm, it is in Christ. Your enthusiasm will cover for a little bit, but it won't go the full hog. It is who we are and how we get strong in who we are that will lead to what we do. Am I, make, am I laboring that point enough? Yeah? Good. So here's some things to reflect on when I sort of come, I'm just coming to a close now. Some ways. So first thing is, are you currently sinning? You can be rhetorical if you want, Becky, but amen. We talk afterwards. Are you currently singing <laughs> in thoughts, in beliefs, in actions, in words? Beliefs, the belief of um, uh, where we sin a lot is that we don't believe who we are in God. And we don't believe what God has done for me. In actions, in word, is your lifestyle and activity of your life incompatible with the way that Jesus lived? How are we doing in our relationships? Is there a desire to worship God? I think that's a really interesting one. Is there a desire to worship God? 
If there isn't, go to the Lord and say, Lord, why is there not a desire to worship you, to praise you, to put my mind onto you and to lay everything down? Is there a desire to talk with him? That's prayer, isn't it? To bring him into our lives in conversation. Is there a desire to know him more? Is there a desire to be with others who also know him? Now, I, I talk a lot about, it's not about attending church that makes a, a, a Christian much like, what was, it, what was the old thing? Going to McDonald's doesn't make you a burger, that kind of thing, you know. But if there's any place you can grow in God, it's amongst the church. And that doesn't just mean attending meetings, that means being with the church. So I've got four things that I want to just finish with, just to encourage us, how to encourage the life of Christ in us. So the first one is this. I hope you can see this. It's a bit small. Get around Christians who inspire your faith. The fact of the matter, what Paul is dealing, uh, what John is dealing with, that there were Christians or there were people in churches, and you look at uh, 2 John, I think it is, or 3 John, where the problem was the leader of the church. He was writing to him. He was the problem, or he was the one who owned the house where the church was. Get around Christians who inspire you. If they don't inspire you, then find other Christians who do. Get in a good, like, um, what was it? You gave that coal fire, didn't you, the other day? Uh, the story of the young man goes see this uh, mature man of God and says, you know, I'm feeling a little bit dry. I don't know where God is anymore. And, he, and he's sitting by this nice fire with these coals in it, and these red hot coals. And he takes the coal out and puts it on its side, and it goes from white to red to black. And he says, that's you. Get yourself back in the fire where all the other hot coals are. Look around you where all the hot coals, hot coals, I said, guys, all right? Hot coals. Some of my jokes are wasted on the young. <laughs> Get with Christians. Ask them to help you. Pray with you. Encourage one another. That's why church is important. Next one. Be mindful of Jesus every day. That's prayer, often for me, is being mindful of Jesus. It's, it's bringing Jesus into everything. I'm inviting you into everything. I'm getting up. I think about Jesus. I might talk to him. Uh, but there are also times where I sit down and I, and I seek to listen to him. Prayer is the relationship with Jesus. There are times where we cry out to him. You know, I talk about text message prayer. You know, we just need to fire something off. Emails a little bit more. Phone calls where we're chatting, then sitting down on a one-to-one with God. Different ways in which we pray. Be mindful of Jesus, consciously aware of him. Invite him into your life. Number three, and um, know that it's not your works that save you, but Jesus' work on the cross. It's so easy when we think about sin to drift into legalism. That is, it's all about how you're doing and what you're doing and why you're doing it. Are you doing it good enough? It's never good enough. You will never be good enough. And that's one of the great dangers of, of when we talk about sin is that we take our eyes off Jesus and onto ourselves. Resist the thought that, the, that God's love is dependent on your works and how well you're doing. It's not dependent on anything about you. It's purely dependent on himself. Continually ask him to change you from the inside out. Yeah, that's again, not focusing on what you're doing as much as you're focusing on who you are. And then, I think this is the final one. There's a couple more. Oh, here's another one, just on that previous point. Ask forgiveness quickly. Don't just leave it and leave it and leave it. Ask forgiveness quickly. And there's something in your brain that might say, surely I've got to feel guilty for at least a week in order to have some bit of penance. Just get it done with quickly. Jesus isn't hanging around. Number four, ask the help of the Holy Spirit in order to seek him, follow him, and obey him. I want to tell you that the only way we can be Christians is because the Holy Spirit is in us to help us. It's the only way. Everything else is all dependent on the Holy Spirit, even your ability to love him. It's all dependent on your Holy Spirit. So enthusiasm is great, but it will run out. But we need the Holy Spirit. And even Paul said, um, I think it was Paul, it says, be filled daily. Be going on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask you, come and just fill me like water in a jar. And we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. So we're at the end. So here's a summary, and then if anyone's got any questions, then we can, we can, ask, we can do a bit of question and answers. Um, we've been saved by Christ in order that we may become like Christ. Okay? Sin destroys, corrupts, dirties us in mind, body, and spirit. 
Sin separates us from the joy of knowing Jesus. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. And if you're a Christian and you know what that feels like, that can often feel like guilt. But it's when the Holy Spirit is grieved because you've gone away, we've gone away, that he doesn't want us to go. Why should we sin when we've got power over sin? And I, I just wonder whether there's a challenge here for each one of us. Maybe you're feeling challenged at the moment. You know, do you need to make a change to your whole mindset of sin? Have you fallen into this thing? Little sins, they're fine. They kind of get pushed under the carpet. God doesn't matter. There is no, um, until we get to, there are some sins unto death and some sins not. There's sins on, on the body and all these kind of things for a later date. But in the eyes of God, sin, every sin put Jesus on the cross. Every sin. Not just the big sins, every sin. The attitudes of our mind, the pride of our hearts, the arrogance, the, the uh, um, what's the word where you just don't really care? Apathetic? Apathetic? Huh? Apathy, yeah, thank you, well done, you win. Are you being convinced? <laughs> Are you being convinced about sin based on what you see on TV? There are so many Christians, and I'm not saying who, because we mustn't, can't judge people on TV, but often what we see on TV can represent an idea about sin. That it's okay to sin because of the grace of God, but we don't know their story. So just to go back to uh, 2 verse 1, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And may that be our normal. We don't sin. That's our normal. But if anyone does sin, that's our abnormal, our trip-ups, our, our, our stumbling. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen? So I just want to tell you, if there's guilt in you right now, that's probably the enemy who's stirring it up. But we have Jesus, as I just said. Shall we just pray? And then if there are any questions, then uh, we can look at them. Father, I just want to first of all thank you that it is... Your work on the cross that set me free from sin. And I thank you that it is by putting our faith, our trust, and our reliance on you and saying, I realize I'm a sinner and you are my savior. And Lord, that I need to bow the knee to you. I need to follow your commandments. I need to be obedient to you. But I thank you that you will help me to do that. So Lord, I want to pray for us just that we might be those, Lord, where we are striving in the good sense, Lord, to honour you in our lives, to be like you, and to live in the joy of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Right. What does an advocate mean? Now, I've, I'll answer that again, because I did answer it. It's like a lawyer. Whoever answered that, I don't know if, that was, uh, if that's helpful. It's like a lawyer, someone who would stand and argue our... Um, on our behalf. What does the word abide mean? Oh, these are very good. Abide means to make your home in. So you abide in your house. Jesus abides in our hearts. You said, me and the Father will come and make our home in you. Abide is to stay in. So hopefully that, that helps. Um, if not, just add the question again. No, it's just say no. If you show the fruits and gifts of the Spirit. Oh, I can put this on the screen. Um, does it encourage others to not commit sin? I think that's a really good question. Whoever did that, what does it say? Um, if you show the fruit, because there's one fruit, many flavors, just saying. <laughs> the fruit and gifts of the Spirit, does it encourage others to not commit sin? Well, I don't know. What do you think? I think yes, because when we live in a line with God, we reveal the glory of God. We live in joy. We live in freedom. We live in peace. We live lives that are full of adventure, um, not without struggle, not without difficulty, but in the midst of the storm, we have peace. And how many people here has anyone said, what is it about you because of this situation? Anyone? So I would say, yes, absolutely. And, the, and that, to me, is what the word witness means. It is someone who doesn't just talk about Jesus, but lives Jesus. So, yes, brilliant question. Thank you. Um, can I bring back the like button? I will... I will... 
Um, yeah, I don't know how you do that. I think I do. I'll have to look. But I can like that question. Oh, no, you like it. Can you clarify what you said about Jesus doesn't hang around when you were talking about confessing our sins right away because Jesus doesn't hang around? Right, yeah. Um, thank you for picking me up on that. I'm not talking about he's going to leave you. I'm talking about Jesus. Look, come on, let's get moving. Look, I've got a plan here. I want you in it. While you're here, wallowing away in your sin, we could be getting on into doing some good things. That's what I meant. Yeah? Because <laughs> this is great. This is like, I'm really taking this on board. Um, what if I confess my sin to the Lord and am still riddled with guilt? Do I possibly need to confess to people or should I really rely solely on the Lord for this? Oh, that, again, this is, that's really pastoral. That's a very pastoral thing. This is where, actually, James says, confess your sin one to another. Um, when, the, when there's a hidden sin, and what I mean by hidden sin is that no one knows but you, the Lord knows, when no one knows but you, the enemy certainly has a greater power to just wiggle away in your ear. When you release that through confession with a trusted person, I certainly believe there will be another release. It lose, the, the enemy loses power. because He has no power over it. It's all words. But it helps you. But also that person can feed into you and say, listen, let me remind you of the truth. You know, don't get stuck in this. is not you. And, um, and I certainly believe that. There may be an emotional lag. In other words, it might take time for your emotions to settle because guilt is an emotion as well. But in terms of the truth and the way that um, I believe that that scripture is there, the, the context of that scripture in James chapter 5, I think, it says, if there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. And it says about, and he who has a prayer of faith will heal the sick. And if he has any sins, um, they will confess your sins for one another. And if they have any sins, they will be forgiven. It's in the context of healing. So, but I think there's a principle there that there is something to be released. Not from the front. It's not necessarily appropriate but with, with, um, with people that you know will be respectful of you. Just one thing to say on that. Again, this is another pastoral thing. There are some stories that aren't for yours to share. Yeah. And what I mean by that is there may be things going on in your life that you may feel open to share, but because it affects others, you have to be wise in the way you share them for their sake. So some of those sins... You're not just thinking about yourself, you're thinking about others around you that are, could be impacted by that. Uh, not a question, but sometimes it's Christians that are the biggest participants of judging people for their sins. Discuss. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's a really good one as well. Um, and judging people... Um, I, this is what I believe, and feel free to, to, to um, disagree with me. And if anyone else wants to jump in, please let me know. I think Christians should judge Christians. But what I mean by that is Christians should hold Christians accountable. I think when it says judge not, I think it's in the context of people that are not Christians. Because we are to hold each other account. But when I say judge, I don't mean you're not doing a good enough job to me. Because I think equally... Uh, we have to understand the story of that person. So I'm using Timo as an example because he's right there. I don't know his story. So the Bible says, if there's any that sin among you, he that is gentle of spirit, um, come alongside. And it also says that if someone doesn't listen, take another brother. If they don't listen, take it to the church. If they don't listen, cast them out. Now, there is a lot of judging there. Um, so in that sense, uh, I would... Where I struggle is when people put YouTube videos about Bethel music or Hill songs, and they're saying, don't listen to it because it's of the devil. Now, I, I, what I take... Now, they may well be right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they are. But the thing is, it's so easy to listen to what one person says. And I don't know anyone from Bethel. I've never been there. You know, there's that kind of judgment. I think, you know, because Hillsong had a triangle in their stage display, we write them off. I struggle with that. I struggle with that kind of level of judging. Um, but when it comes to Christians that we know, I think we should. We should be concerned, um, but it's done in a gentle way in order to encourage them to find the Lord. Is that, I hope that helps. Um, anyone want to disagree with me on that? Yeah, go on. I'm just thinking it might be a language thing, because for me, um, I think there's often people might use judge to judge and to condemn as synonyms, and they're not. Yeah. So for me, judging is about kind of like a rightful discernment between things. It's seeing things as they really are and making choices. But condemnation is, is kind of the judging, if you like. 
which is reserved for God. Yeah, is that helpful? Good. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah. There was an Archbishop of Canterbury who said, we are all more guilty than we think we are, we are all less guilty than we think we are. And it comes to this context of sin, because if we are looking at our sin, it's an individual um, issue, and then various issues of performance and perfectionism comes in from the, the world. Mm. And we need to move our brains from sin, which is the problem, to the life that God has for us, which is the love that mm. um, John is talking about. Mm. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I, I, it is what we don't want out of this, where everyone's just talking all about the negatives of sin, but we want to talk about the positives of life. That's what you're saying, isn't it? It's, it's let's not get caught up in sin and encouraging people to life, not encouraging what they're not doing, encouraging what they can do. <laughs> I think, all right, yeah, sorry. That, that um, subject is a big subject, and it's, uh, and it's full of pastoral. When I say that's very pastoral, that means um, it, it can often depend on different situations. So, um, but generally, I think that was good. That was great. Anyone else? Father, just saying, Lord, I want to thank you for the wealth that we have in this church of what we know about you and how we can share and encourage one another. Lord, you're a wonderful God, and uh, Father, we do just pray, especially on that last point, may we be so uh, encouraging when it comes to issues of sin and struggles and difficulties, knowing, Lord, that we will often find ourselves in that position at some point and needing people to come around us who love us and who are willing to challenge us, but in an encouraging way. So, Lord, I just pray again for all the relationships, all the friendships, all the various groups in which these may happen. Lord, all the conversations that go on, Lord, that may we spur one another on into good works, Lord, that come out of that heart's desire for love for you. We thank you, Lord, that we are accepted. In Jesus' name, amen.